Hi, I'm Johnny Jenkins and welcome to Speaking to Students, the series where each time we meet a remarkable student who does something extra, something just a little bit different alongside their degree. And today we're talking about medicine and health, but really on a global scale with Anna Gavette, who is a third year student at the University of Cambridge, not studying anything scientific, not studying anything medical, but studying um, HSPS, Human Social Political Science, what, what is called politics at, at most other universities. Anna, hi, it's, it's so great for you to join me today and to see you. Just explain a little bit why it is that you study politics when all your interests seem to lie uh, in medicine and health. Hi, John, it's nice to um, be on here. Thanks for having me. Um, so basically, I actually started studying Spanish and French um, because I'm very interested in international issues. Um, and so politics kind of feeds into that, especially international relations and, and global matters. Um, like you say, it's kind of weird that I'm so interested in health, given I'm a politics student, but I actually want to do graduate medicine. Um, bit of a 180, I know, but it's quite common to come from an unrelated subject and go into graduate medicine. Um, so that's really the plan. Uh, I guess global health, therefore, is kind of an intersection of all of my interests. It's, you know, an intersection of my international interests, my political interests and my medical and health related interests. Anna, I find, um, like you say, since I've been a student and know other students, that it's quite common actually to study one thing and then decide to go um, into medicine in particular after. Has that always been on your mind going into medicine or, or did you plan to study, just study languages and not think about medicine at all? So like you say, I think it's quite common that people decide to do medicine um, after having studied something else. Uh, the gradu graduate medicine course exists for a reason um, and they take non-science students for a reason because it is, is quite common, like you say. Um, medicine for me was something that I was considering in sixth form, um, especially after my AS exams in year 12. I didn't think that they had gone particularly well. So um, I was waiting for my grades and if they weren't great, then I was going to just do what I needed for medicine instead. Um, turns out they went fine, so I carried on and did uh, languages, didn't like the literature side of that, it wasn't applied enough um, and it wasn't really people based enough, just kind of a lot of, um, for want of a better term, like airy-fairy literature basically, um, and I didn't like that, so then I decided to do politics and then my interest in global health really came up through that and then my interest in health more specifically, um, which is when I decided that I really wanted to do medicine so about two years ago now so I'm pretty set on it. And here you are Anna with all the different things you do alongside a degree and we'll get into those in a minute but you're at the University of Cambridge it is one of the most prestigious universities in the whole world it's something that so many aspire to get to. Do you feel that pressure on you when you're at university to sort of perform best because you are at Cambridge? You're right in that Cambridge is a very prestigious university and a lot of people really want to go there um, obviously, I completely understand why, because I was in that exact boat as well. But I mean, once you're there, I don't think it's that much different to any other university. I don't think I feel like a disproportionate amount of pressure. Um, I know all of my like friends who are students at other universities are also as stressed as I am. Um, but yeah, I think it's just very intense. That's how I would describe it. We have pretty short terms. They're like eight weeks, um, but they are the most intense eight weeks you could imagine. Yeah, and just for context, a lot of universities have terms that are, say, 10 or 12 weeks, yet you've got to cram the same amount of stuff in um, in that eight-week term. Now, Anna, let's talk about some of the other things you do alongside the degree, because global health has been a top priority at an international level for the past 
uh, year and with the pandemic everyone has tried to become some sort of an expert in um, epidemiology and viruses and things but you're involved aren't you at Cambridge in training people in global health and helping helping people learn a bit more yeah exactly that's pretty much my role with students for global health um, so students for global health is a um, national level organization it's the uk branch of the ifmsa which is the international federation of medical students associations and we have a branch at cambridge that's the biggest in the country um, there's around 80 members and my job there is to basically train people on global health matters um, and also some soft skills, so leadership, funding and finance, advocacy work. Um, but mostly we focus on global health health issues, like you say. Um, so we have one training coming up this term about epidemiology, um, another one on refugee health um, and, and things like that. So that's very much my passion. And it's been pretty interesting to see that played out pretty continuously over the last year. Yeah, I wonder what, you, what you've made of the effects on the pandemic of it all, because whilst it's... it's, it's been incredibly tragic and, and the lives lost you know the toll just goes up and up but it, it has made people become more interested in in viruses in global health in epidemiology and I suppose that that, that bit can only be a good thing. Yeah so the pandemic of course is, is absolutely awful and I think some of the only solace we can take from it really is that hopefully in the future we'll be more prepared for events like this it shows us really that it's not just a topic of big hollywood blockbusters that it is very much possible that a pandemic of this size can happen um again like the prevention of pandemics is something that i've always been very interested in uh, one health uh, is an approach that i particularly champion i think it's great but until this point like you say not that many people in the mainstream media were particularly interested in in global health we'd have the occasional outbreak of avian flu, so bird flu or swine flu, um, and then that would be over in a matter of months and that would be kind of all you, you'd hear about it. So I guess the attention and hopefully the finance uh, going into global health will be one positive that will come out of an otherwise really terrible situation. Yeah, and I mean, working as a journalist, the pandemic was never really on my radar. It's never something that we expected to happen and here it came and, and we all had to learn and adapt, of course, um, a lot. That's not the only sort of medical issue that, that you're interested in. You, you do some work with um, the Foundation to Prevent Antibiotic Resistance. Now they're based in Sweden and that you know signals all your international links as well. But you took part in a sort of consultancy scheme and decided to stay with them afterwards. Yeah it, exactly. So I basically took on a project through a consultancy firm based at Cambridge um, and most of my, my teammates, they were excellent, but they were there for, you know, the, the consultancy experience because that's what they wanted to do. Um, but like what we've discussed, obviously I want to do medicine um, and being a doctor is kind of worlds away from being a, you know, a consultant of the business kind. Um, so I actually just wanted to do this project because it was um, on antimicrobial or antibiotic resistance. Uh, the Foundation to Prevent Antibiotic Resistance um, is the name of the foundation. And like you say, they're based in Sweden, they're quite a young foundation and I basically work with them to help them grow and increase their income and um, particularly engage with students. Um, so it kind of marries quite well with the Students for Global Health work that I do. And the sort of messages that, that you're promoting with this foundation is if you're taking antibiotics, finish the full course uh, to sort of stop the virus being able to stay in your body and work against 
the antibiotics, very, very layperson's terms. Um, and, and then also the fact that we don't always need antibiotics. And so we only really should use them when we need them. Yeah, exactly. They are pretty much the key messages um, from the foundation and from the um, antimicrobial resistance movement in general. You know, only take antibiotics if you have a bacterial infection. They don't work against viruses, for example, the common cold. Um, antibiotics there aren't useful. So, you know, it's about educating people on when antibiotics should be taken and when they shouldn't. But Really, on a, on a wider scale, it's about managing animal agriculture. Um, that's a massive area that causes quite a great deal of antibiotic resistance because antibiotics are used on such a large scale. Um, yeah, and the foundation, you know, really tries to push those values um, as well, which is great. But the main job of the foundation is taking um, money from corporate and public donors and giving that to researchers working to prevent antimicrobial resistance. Well, that's, that's, that's so good to hear, Anna, and it, it's such an important um, cause, clearly. You also lobby your university to make their, their medicine, make their research accessible, don't you? Um, so yeah, that's UAEM. Um, I work with them quite a lot. Um, it stands for Universities Allied for Essential Medicines. And the primary aim of the organisation, which is student led, is to lobby universities and institutions who are leading in research um, on health matters. So work on therapeutics, diagnostics, vaccines, um, for example, with COVID, um, basically lobbying them to make sure that their licensing is socially responsible. Um, by that, I mean that patents that they sell to private pharmaceutical companies um, are as fair as possible. So basically making sure that they're not requesting vaccines to be sold at really inflated prices, to being sold at cost, and making sure that medicines are accessible to as many people as possible. Because of course, healthcare and, and medicine in general, it's renowned for being very expensive. So students have quite a key role in holding their universities to account and making sure that they're charged at reasonable prices. And that's so important, Anna, and as you mentioned vaccines there. This is something that's come up with the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, which is seen as a sort of easiest to use and easiest to transport vaccine that we've got, certainly uh, in the UK. You want to make sure the whole world has access to it. Yeah, completely. And that's one thing that I personally am very passionate about is equal access to medicines. Um, I think it's it's very unfair that certain countries and um, certain groups of people are able to afford medication and vaccines and others aren't. Um, that's something that really drives UAEM um, to do the work that they do and it's so important. And even with the um, Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, like you said, um, the legislation around it said that it would be sold at cost, but UAEM did a really great job at lobbying um, both parties to make that clearer, you know, provide some transparency around that, what exactly was at cost and was it really at cost? Um, I think, in general, the theme with UAEM is holding institutions uh, to account. And, and then you could result in a situation where one half of the world can afford to vaccinate their population and the other can't, and then they have to live with coronavirus, and obviously no, no one wants that. So if that isn't all enough, Anna, if you're not busy enough with all of, uh, all of your international bits and bobs you do, you also spend some time tutoring students in China. Are you tutoring them to learn English? Yeah, so um, I also tutor kind of a bit of part-time work. Um, I cover basically Spanish, French and English. Um, so it really depends on what the student wants. Most of the demand is, of course, um, in English. But actually, 
one of my favourite students, shouldn't really say that, but um, yeah, one of my favourite students, she wants French. Um, so we've been learning French together for around a year now. Um, and yeah, it's really, really fulfilling, um, I find, to like teach these, these students. They're very hardworking and very engaged. Um, so I love that as well. You must find that that part of it all so rewarding because you're actually seeing your work make a change over the course of a week, a month or a year. I think it's so brilliant, Anna, as always on this series, to meet people that are so busy alongside their degree. If someone was maybe starting their degree or uh, doing one at the moment and they're not sure if they'd have time to do extra bits, what would you say to them? I think one of the benefits of being a student is really the flexibility you have with your time. That's probably not really possible at any other stage in your life. I guess, at least for a degree like mine, which is quite low contact and a lot of private work, you are basically completely in charge of your schedule, bar a couple of hours each week. So I think if you want to do something, it's always possible to make time for that. Of course, it's easier when you're in your first year um, and when like your exam results aren't so pressing and aren't so important. But I'm in my third year now and I still spend a lot of time doing these extra things. But I think that's because that's what I'd be doing in my downtime anyway, because I'm passionate about them. And also because if you manage your time well, there is plenty of hours in a day. I think you're right there, Anna, because, you know, a lot of people say there's not enough hours in the day. And I think, well, actually, sometimes if you if you reorganise things, you may well just uh, find those hours. Well, thanks for talking to me today, Anna Gavet. You certainly are a remarkable student. And if you like what you see, be sure to like and subscribe.